As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Warning. Listener's discretion is advised. The following show may not be suitable for all ages. You should not listen if you are under the age of 13, have a weak or damaged heart, ill-tempered, have a chance of closed-mindedness, or are sensitive to the paranormal. Opinions of those appearing on the show do not directly reflect the opinions of this network. Those with strong views can... No, I'm serious. I know we're recording. I can't help it. I know. You can't tell me you didn't hear that. <laughs> You're listening to Wiregrass Haunts with Teresa and Stan. to Wiregrass Haunts. We are back. Wiregrass Haunts took a little bit of a break for a few weeks and we are finally back. And I have honestly, guys, COVID has really taken its toll on me and I don't even have the virus. Um, I have had to work 70 hours a week from the beginning of this stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that things are kind of even up a little bit. So uh, but Wiregrass Haunts is back, and that's an awesome thing, and we, we got a great guest for tonight, and I'll clue you in in just a minute. First, I want to introduce my co-host for tonight, Miss Shawana Coleman. Shawana, are you with me? I am here, Stan. Hello, everyone. I'm excited to be here. Excited, Absol- excited. Absolutely. And everybody out there knows Shawana. She's on our network on under different dimensions and... The Unbelievable House. I said that right, didn't I, Shawana? You did, you did. You said it exactly right. Um, So, y'all need to check out her her podcast. Um, You know, she has different dimensions. She covers some pretty serious stuff, but, you know, it's it's 90% paranormal. But the other one, that's some serious stuff. And everybody needs to tune into her podcast, so... And when you hear it, you'll know what I'm talking about. We need to end this stuff, you know. So, uh, isn't that right? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for giving us a shout out. We appreciate that. And that's why we're here to end it, to, to get it dealt with and end it. That's right. That's right. Um, when, when, people, when people progress in situations like that and use God, uh, the church, and the vulnerability 
of people, especially young people, to uh, for self gain and for self uh, provocation, if you will, um, is is totally is totally wrong. And uh, so that's that's one of the reasons, Shawana, that that I believe in what you do because you are doing a great job in getting this information out there, so nobody else is affected by this crud. Well, I appreciate it, Stan. You know, you and, and, and Teresa have been on my side since day one. Um, and I'm, I'm just not going to let up. I'm not going to let up until justice is served because a lot of children were hurt. They're still hurting. A lot of adults are still hurting. Yes. Um, and we're just going to keep doing what we're doing until, until, until justice gets served. That's awesome. So I That's appreciate awesome. it. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we're... We're there to the end till till they lock the handcuffs around. So, uh, and that that'll be a oh, day yeah. that'll be a day for rejoicing. We'll probably have an extra podcast just to rejoice and have a big party for that. So, uh. oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, Shawana, how how's everything in Birmingham? Is everything okay? Yeah, everything is good up this way. I'm um I'm gonna get out. Me and Teresa have been talking about um a list of places to go and the my daughter's gonna bring the car and, and watch my grandbaby and we're gonna get out and, and visit some of these paranormal places and get ready maybe we can you know get the team up here and, and do maybe a weekend haunt type thing so everything is good i'm good. I, like i said i looked out early and i was saying oh something is coming it's either a little shower or a storm or something mm-hmm. but everything it was great. My grandbaby's um, seven months, and he has six teeth. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, <laughs> all right, so it, it's on now. Six teeth. That's that's six oh, yeah. to bite <laughs> you with. So, yeah, absolutely. He's 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 the steak and mashed potatoes and gravy. <laughs> I bet he can tear it up. You know, that's cool. That's awesome. Um, I can't hardly wait to meet him. I mean, it's been so long. I mean, I haven't even met him yet, and I'm so anxious to. Yeah, you know, like you said earlier, with the COVID now, yeah. uh, with with he was born at the end of February. Um, uh, what I understand, like they were the last, you know, the last set of people who were delivering babies able to have the husband in there with them, yes. because after that, the woman had to go by herself. Wow. And I don't know if they've opened back up since then, um, but I, it's just it's the COVID, and you, you just. And then you, when you hear the horror stories of the babies that have died, because yes. you know they don't have that immune system, the fighting and the breathing problems come, you just don't want to take that chance. It's not it, even worth it. Exactly, and and that's one of the reasons why, because we we could have drove up to Birmingham, and but I don't want to I don't want to expose the little one to anything. I work in the public, and uh, you know, so I see so many people during the day. And, uh, I mean, I try to take all the precautions, wear a mask and, and so on and so forth right. and, and, and trying to avoid people. But when you're the, the meat manager of a, of a meat department, it's, uh, it's kind of hard when people want stuff cut. So, uh, you know, so we, <laughs> right. we wear, we wear all the gloves and stuff like that. And thank God that, uh, you know, we, none of my guys have, have contracted contracted anything um other than myself i got this uh peanut uh sinus thing going on that was that was one of the reasons why i went to the doctor today and and then she decided she wanted to check me for everything under the book in the book and so that's okay she's a good doctor and uh you know all she's trying to do is keep me well 
but uh Oh no! Better to be safe than sorry. You know, it's the thing. You never know. I know what the you know the newspapers and the news are saying, but anytime when you have you know a loved one in a in a nursing home, and you know they don't let you come and visit, everything is locked down, sanitized, but they still get it. You know, you just you just like well, dang, you know, are we really safe anywhere? Exactly. How how do you go in the nursing home without COVID? You know, your family can't come. And then you got COVID. Right. So, you know, just that's all we can do is pray, sanitize and, and pray. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, Shawana, we and have I'm an excited about tonight. Oh yeah, we have an awesome guest tonight, and she is yeah. a best-selling author. She is um, in the par- paranormal field, and I love that. And. Uh, and she, yes, she is an award-winning, best-selling author, and she has books like um, "Secret in the Shallows." And y'all, I'm sorry, I'm reading this, and this writing is small. Uh, "Devil in the Details" and "Method in the Madness." Uh, but these are awesome books. So I'm gonna bring her on. She, we talked briefly before the show, and. Uh, she's an awesome lady. So, everybody, please welcome Kimberly Brulette. Kimberly, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for having me on tonight. Oh, yes, ma'am. And, you welcome, know, welcome, welcome. I, I, a couple of weeks ago, we tried to work this out so you could come on, and, and things just didn't quite work out. But uh, I'm glad that we got it up tonight, and we were able to get the show going. And like I was telling telling you before the before the show, you know, I spent a long time at the doctor today for mm-hmm. just general testing. And, uh, you know, so I had a little chance to, to kind of read up on a few things. And I, I, first, I want you to introduce yourself basically to everybody and just kind of tell everybody a little bit about who you are. Okay. Well, um, I've been, uh, I actually have been writing just for the past eight, nine years as far as my actually writing for, for a long time before that, I worked in uh, advertising and publishing and, and doing editing and graphic design and stuff like that. So I, I was kind of in the, the realm of everything with writing, but I, I wasn't really writing. I would do content writing for advertising and things like that. And uh, I finally had the opportunity to to do a like a contributing editor uh, you know, project uh, about 15 years ago, and I I enjoyed it a lot because I was able to be part of the creation process in that instead of just doing it after the fact. And you know, I had I had published, uh, I mean, excuse me, edited a lot of books, um, you know, over the years. But yeah, you know, I, I got kind of bit by the bug to actually say, you know, I could actually write my own stories, you know. Mm. And uh, I thought about it for a number of years, but I, I didn't do anything until after I had gotten, I'd actually gotten divorced from my first, my first husband. And uh, I was already with my you know, new husband later. And before, when we were dating, he told me, he said, uh, you know, I, I want, I've got to tell you something that, that might be a, a big deal. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, whenever somebody says something like that, you're not sure what they're going to bring up. He says, well, I've been haunted since I was a kid. I was like, 
Really? <laughs> he said, okay, that's a big thing to spring on somebody while you're dating, right? Right, right. And um, I said, uh, I said, well, I said, I actually like all that stuff. I've not had any exposure to it personally, but, you know, I was watching all the paranormal shows and, you know, I would actually sit there and, and watch, you know, those and. I was interested in it, so it didn't, it didn't bother me, and and actually, you know, we um, we ended up um, our first date was actually kind of really unique because we got together. We had talked about this history in the area, and there was a great a graveyard. No kidding, I actually wrote wrote a bar, blog article called "My Fun First gra- uh, Date in the in the Cemetery," <laughs> and <laughs> we actually. We went because there was all this historic, like, Revolutionary War history in our area. And so we knew that there was some, there was one of the oldest cemeteries in the whole, like, region was up by my mom's house. And I said, well, hey, you know, we went to the Middleist Park, uh, first of all, to start this all off. And, and the homestead for his ancestor was in the middle of this park. So it was, we weren't expecting it. Neither one of us had been there. So it just kind of started this whole thing. And I said, well, my mom's got this cemetery up by her house. So we ended up going to the cemetery up there and we found several people that were revolutionary war heroes in that cemetery from like the 1780s and stuff, you know, 1790s and stuff. So, um, we ended up, Going, we started going around to all these cemeteries, and we actually found his ancestors' plots who were part of that church, and he had never known where they were. So it was a kind of a weird experience, but it kind of it, it was kind of how we started everything. So when he told me that he had been haunted since he was a kid, it was like, okay, well, this is par for the course. I mean, our first date was in a cemetery. <laughs> 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 So, um, so basically what happened was we, we, we finally, we moved, we moved into an apartment and the apartment, uh, ended up having a bunch of paranormal activity. Now they weren't spirits that had followed, followed him. They, they showed up and, and they weren't like something that he, he did have a spirit. Uh, he does have a spirit that he hasn't showed up in a while. So I guess he's okay. You know, he feels like he's okay, but mm-hmm. he did show up a lot for a while. And his name is Red. And he was kind of like a spirit guy that had pushed the, all the negative spirits away uh, when he was a kid. And so he said, well, we're probably going to see Red eventually. Just be aware he's probably going to show up. And if he does, don't freak out too much. He's never done anything bad. You know, he's never been negative. He's like, okay. <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> So after about six weeks of being there, we uh, we start having some activity. Well, what happened was my daughter come, come, my youngest daughter. She come up to me and she said, "Mom, mom, something keeps on moving my stuffed animals around." I'm like, what? She says, "I'm serious. I'll come home and they'll be in a different spot." I said, "Oh, they just fell off your bed or you forgot where you put them. You know, come on, this is silly." She said, "No, no, no. I'm serious, mom." She says, I'll, cut, I'll put everything where I like it. I make sure that I put it in its place, and then I come back, and it's not where I put it. <laughs> okay, but she was so adamant, and I was like, okay, so what 
you know, what do you think? She said, I don't know, but something's not, something's been moving it. And I said, okay, well, okay, let's just, I remembered in my flashback to Chris saying about the fact that he was haunted and, and everything. So I thought, okay. So what we did, I said, is there some stuffed animal that they tend to like? And she says, this particular one that had a little skeleton outfit on it, a little rabbit. And so I said, oh, so I put it in the middle of the floor and I, Said out to, you know, out loud, I said, if you're here and you're a spirit and you want to play with this stuffed animal, you're welcome to. We're going to go shopping for a bit and we'll come back. And if you moved it, we'll know you're here. Well, I closed the door. It was Kelsey's bedroom. Closed the door. We left for several hours doing grocery shopping and whatnot. And we came back, and lo and behold, when we came back, it had been turned around 180 degrees. It was facing <laughs> the exact opposite direction, and nobody had been there. Oh, wow. So I was like, okay, maybe you're on to something, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> and for the next several weeks, probably about two, close to two months, it was like a game that stuffed animal would end up in all sorts of places in the apartment. We would it would be on another piece of furniture, it'd be on the floor, it'd be in the living room, it'd be on the table, it'd be in front of the stereo, it'd be turned around from where it was. And we just kept doing the same stuff all the time, you know, moving it around. And then finally it just stopped all of a sudden. So I said, Well I guess I guess Chris was right. I guess he's haunted, you know. <laughs> he, has, he has some activity. And the activity kept getting more, become more and more active. And when we got, when we started having, um, we actually started having a lot more. And one of the things I remember was in the, um, we started having this black mass, a circular. See that? <laughs> and okay, I'm just making sure. I'm not crazy, you know? And um, so anyway, so and every once in a while we'd, we'd see a, like a shadow figure, like poke his head out. We were in the living room, and you could just see the the bathroom right there. And I look, for some reason, I like that bathroom. I can't explain it, but that's where I stayed. And uh, so it would poke his head out. And there was certain times at uh, like three in the morning, we'd be laying in bed, and we hear this this child running down right in front of our. It would come from that bathroom, and would come right in front of the door and run all the way down the hallway and it would be like three in the morning right in front of our room and you could actually feel the vibration like and it's and it sounded like little kids feet running out of the hallway wow you know and so and i assume because it was it sounded like it was coming from that bathroom that it, it was about the size of a child that shadow that shadow figure was a was the size of a child and uh, so I assume that that's probably that shadow figure was running down the hallway, right? Mm -hmm. But we didn't ever have any negative experience with that particular spirit. It would just seem to be there. He was curious. It, it was obviously, you know, looking at us when it would stare out, you know, peek out the door and stuff. But there wasn't anything that happened with that one. Now, that was not the same spirit that we don't believe that was moving this stuff animal around. Kelsey one time said she saw a little girl. Uh, about six years old with red curly hair, long curly hair. Mm -hmm. And it was in her bedroom. And so I think that that was the one that was moving the stuffed animal around. 
But again, it wasn't a negative spirit. It was just there. And, you know, it would, it would, there was some times it would be shaking, rattling the doors in her bedroom in the middle of the night. And she, Kelsey would still be asleep. She'd be, I'd go in there and be snoring, all sorts of noise going along, going on. And I'd go in there and her purse would be acting like a pendulum on the doorknob from where the, the, the ghost, the spirit was going, you know, rattling the doors wow. in the closet. And uh, and I would hear it from the living room, and so would Chris. And I go in there, and Kelsey's snoring, and hear her her purse is swinging back and forth. You know, <laughs> ah. so you know we had those two spirits, and so we were having all this activity. And so I started getting into paranormal groups, right? Right. And um, because I was like, okay, well, I got to know we got too much activity. I mean, it's happening like almost daily. It was happening at least three to four times a week and the minimum was taking place. So it was not something where we could just every once in a while, it was almost a daily occurrence. And so it started getting in paranormal groups and I, uh, I just, you know, started learning more, you know, more about, um, the equipment and, and things like that started doing some investigations we never did an investigation on our own apartment because I had heard that if you do investigations in, a, in your own place, that the activity will amp up. And we didn't need that. We were already dealing with a lot of activity, you know, so I didn't want to I didn't want it to get any worse than we were already. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to track any negative spirits either. Well, you know, there was a third spirit that showed up. And we were, and she was, it was a female, it was an older female this time. The other ones had more like children. And we were laying in bed, getting ready to go to sleep, and we had been laughing about some stuff, and all of a sudden we, I hear this, <laughs> and this, this laugh, this female laugh, and literally beside the bed, I mean, it, it was in the bedroom, it was obvious, and it wasn't me, and Chris looked up, Chris Chris heard in the dark looked over me. She said, "That wasn't you, was it?" <laughs> I said, "No, it wasn't me." I said, "I was over there," because you know, he could tell it was over by the closet a little bit. And so we had. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I had this female spirit, and, and there was one time Chris was actually taking a shower, and he heard this, she, he heard this voice go, Chris! And I wasn't there. And Kelsey wasn't there. And he poked his head out of the shower curtain. And all of a sudden, he said it wasn't but a split second. And he heard the he the entire room went cold. All the steam from the shower went out. And it became ice cold in that room. Hmm. And he he quickly, he said he, he was all of a sudden, he was Freezing, it was so cold, and so he got he got dried off, got out of the shower quick, and he was looking around. I wasn't there, and he was like, you know, I guess it was her, you know. Huh. And uh, so, so we had that was the third spirit, and by this point, you know, we had really gotten into the paranormal, and I'd met my friend uh, Karen, who co-authored the first book with me, mm-hmm. and she was talking about doing she actually had a dream which is the prologue of the book and she wanted me to get involved with her on this project and we ended up co-authoring the first book and you know based on a dream that she had initially you know that was the initial inspiration for the beginning of it um which is basically the ghosts of the serial killers victims are haunting investigators to help solve their own murders so it's a three-book series, and the ghosts are not necessarily bad ghosts, but they're scary because they're ghosts, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so, you know, one of them's a nun. You know, that's not a big, that one you find out right away. So um, one of them's a nun, and she's trying to, you know, help solve her own murder. And so, you know, I, so we got into writing this, and I was like, well, when we first were starting to write, it was just the woman being killed and there was this stuff going on with like a murder mystery kind of thing. I said, well, I said, what if we throw in our ghosts in there? And she's like, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> I said, let's throw ghosts in there and let's have them, have them actually helping the investigators solve the murders. She's like, oh, that's really good. Let's do that. And so we worked together for the first book. Now her, she had some family health issues and she had to bow out of the project from then on. And I had, by that point I was, you know, I was, I was actually directing what was going on in the story. So I was able to take over on my own, but, um, you know, we worked together in that first book. And so she, um, you know, we, we actually have won, I won, um, between all three books, there's uh, the first one, Secrets in the Shallows. The second one is Devil in the Details. And like you said, the third one is Method in the Madness. But, but you have to really read all three. It's one long story. And you have to read all three in order to get the full full story. Mm-hmm. I do do some twists at the end of each of the first two books. So you, you don't actually find out who the killer is in the first book. You find out who the killer is for sure in the second book. Because mm-hmm. it's a twist at the end of the first book. And at the end of the second book, you know who the killer is, but it isn't who you expect. So there's another twist. And then the last one, you find out not only what caused all these events. You not you don't don't just solve the entire murder and what's happening with the current events, but it actually goes back 30 years and shows you how all the events started 30 years ago. 
and why certain things took place and has all these little Easter eggs in there from from the evidence that's been discovered all along the way. And so, you know, you actually have kind of a flashback thing going. And um, so the, it was a really fun project to write. And I am writing a, um, another prequel sequel series that will go with this series. Um, it's It's kind of... I won't get into it too much, but there's a cursed item in the book somewhere. I won't say what it is. Hmm. But I don't explain where it came from, how it was created, why it got to where it was, you know, anything. And I got to the end of this project after writing for five years. It took me five years to write these books. And I was like, okay, what do I do now? I've been doing this for five years. I don't know what to do now. (laughs) And I got to thinking, well, I have this cursed item. So I'm going to tell the story of this cursed item. So actually in the next series, which is going to start with the book Fury of the Fallen, it's going to be another trilogy. And the first book, I go back 2,000 years and show how this item is created. And I am it's actually, it's going to be really cool because it's going to have angels and demons in it too. And uh, so it shows how this item was created, first item was created, and actually has demons attached to it, mm-hmm. and uh, through the way it was created. And then it shows in the second book, it'll show how it was discovered in modern history, in modern times. You know how it got back into play. You know mm-hmm. it's been hidden for so long. Where where did it go? You know it was it was it was missing for a long time, and. It gets back around World War II area. And then in the last book, it shows how that particular item gets, not only just basically causes this entire monastery to to, um, just unravel. I mean, it's got a lot of things that are going to take place. But how that particular item ends up where it was found in the first series. So it's going to do a complete circle. Hmm. That's when cool. It, when it comes back around. So, yeah. So, I mean, but the nice thing is I've been able to take these paranormal experiences, you know, because I've, I've actually had several that were even much more chilly. Um, the, the four spirit that showed up in the apartment was, I called him Mr. Mean, because he, he that's what he was. He was very mean, very angry spirit. And in fact, he was so angry, I was like really getting concerned because he was being violent every single night. He would be um, pushing our our hangers back and forth, like in a very agitated way, just back and forth, back and forth. It's like two and three in the morning. Hmm. Chris, and this is in our closet, so what any way ignore it. And I was like, what do we do? We're just laying there while this is going on. And then also throwing the boxes off the shelf in the closet, like the shoe boxes and stuff. And so it's like, and this went on for weeks, you know. And finally we calmed down about three or four in the morning-ish. And, and then we would be able to go to sleep. Well, um, you know, this went on for several weeks. Well, then... One day, it was a Sunday afternoon, it was sunny, there was no storms, and we were sitting, I was sitting on the foot of the bed, on the mattress, 
facing him where he would normally sleep. And we were talking about writing projects and getting and passing back and forth ideas and, and trying to help each other on different he's he has to write to. And I heard I felt the vibrations as this guttural demonic sounding growl. Disembodied growl was right over my right shoulder. And it was so close I could feel the vibrations on my skin, on my neck. Wow. And I just stopped. I was like, I just, I could, I could, I was in shock. I was like, I looked at Chris. I was like, I, I just couldn't move. I was like a deer in the headlight. And I was about to say, you did hear that, right? And I could tell by the look in his face that in his eyes that, that he knew it. He was looking right over my shoulder in the spot where the sound had come from. So he later on, he told me he said he could actually pinpoint that was behind my right shoulder. I said, that's exactly where it was. Well, just as I was getting ready to say something, it happened again. And so I jumped up and I, um, I jumped up and I got in his arms and I asked him to hold me. Because I was, I was so scared from the act, you know, what had just taken place. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing happened for about a week. Not even the, the, the stuff in the closet. And we would, ha- we would also hear like footsteps going across the carpet and things like that. But about a week and week or two later, was getting, we were just getting ready to fall asleep, and it was one of those nights I couldn't get comfortable temperature, and my foot was over the edge of the bed, and I felt this hand grab my calf and started pulling me off the bed, <laughs> and my head went under the covers because it was being pulled through, you know. Pulled under and Chris, I, I yelled for Chris, and all he saw was my head go down under the covers. <laughs> he didn't know what was going on, and I started yelling for help. And he, so he didn't know what to do. He was just, you know, this was the middle of the night. He was, he had already fallen asleep, and he grabbed under my armpits and started pulling me. And he realized something was on the other end, pulling my leg, you know. And so I end up, I'm, I'm, I'm hovering above the, the, the mattress and he's pulling me on my arms and, and I'm, and I'm like a human tug of war going on, you know, with the spirit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so about that. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tom, I mean, he was he was realizing, wait a minute. He was looking. He said he was, as he was doing this, he was looking around. He saw that I was halfway off the bed. Half of me was, I mean, all of me was above the bed. And he was obviously pulling against something, you know? This wasn't his imagination. Definitely wasn't mine. And um, and so he would, you know, he finally he caught he told it to, to get out of there and all this stuff. And then he thought, I'm gonna get Fred. So he yelled to Red. He says, Red, get this, you know, bastard out of here. Hmm. You know. And so, uh, and and it wasn't but a few seconds. And it let go. I fell down halfway off the bed because I was that much far that far off of it. And it left almost right away. And it didn't come back. We didn't have anything happen after that night. So I guess Red got rid of him. Wow. So, you know, I, I started using these experiences because I was like, well, this is too good not to use. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. If I want to experience something that scary, it should be in a book. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> so I actually, um, I've got the chapter. Now that I've told you that story, I've actually got the chapter that was inspired partially by that particular event. And I don't know if you have to take a break or anything, but I I can I, I have it ready if you were interested in, in hearing it. Sure. Uh, we oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um normally we take one break during the show and uh that's after the the what on our end, which is central, will be after eight, eight o'clock hour. So okay, uh, so about fifteen minutes from now, ish. Sure, I mean, but we have yeah. plenty of time. So if you wanna, if you mm-hmm. wanna uh, include us in on that story, that'd be awesome. Okay, well, it's not that long. It's just a few minutes. That's fine. Um, okay, awesome. Well, this is chapter five from Method in the Madness. It's one of my actual my one of my favorite chapters in all three books. So, here we go. And again, I'm going to redact uh, a couple of things because I don't want to give some spoilers. Okay, Okay. just so you know. Okay. Okay. Early in the morning hours on New Year's Day, Katie tossed and turned in her bed. Her disordered mind and hunger pains would not allow her to relax. Confusion reigned as she contemplated John's strange and sudden behavior, coupled with the fascinating sensation of dancing in Peter's arms. What do I do? The events of the entire evening created chaos in her thoughts until her mind screamed. Is John all right? Are we going to be all right? Is there even a we anymore? Lying flat on her back, Katie steadied her breathing in a repeated slow rhythm. I don't know what to do. 
Making a concerted effort to calm herself, she took several long, deep breaths. Each one dragged her deeper and deeper into her thoughts. Now remember what Mom taught me. Think of the sound of snowflakes as they gently land. Think of the quiet winter meadows surrounded by trees. Deep breath in, deep breath out. Katie's focused her mind and shut the world away. In an instant, she was transported to a peaceful, snowy meadow. The happy chirping sounds of small sparrows flitted in the trees almost seemed real. The only other sound she heard was the light pitter-patter of snowflakes as they landed all around her in the white shimmering lawn. Gazing around, Katie saw a familiar army of evergreen trees standing guard nearby. In front of her, a snow-covered path led down the hill to the monastery pond. In a dreamy stride, Katie was automatically drawn toward the deep icy waters. With each step, the cold winter grass released its hold, and the snow began to melt. By the time she arrived at the pond, it had completely disappeared, revealing a green, grassy field. Surrounding her, she saw the familiar monastery campus and the beautiful gardens with the statues. Standing at the water's edge, Katie found a lone rowboat that seemed to be waiting for her. Without a second thought, she gingerly sat down to, to oh, excuse me, gingerly sat down on the sledded seat and rowed to the center of the pond. Again, she took a moment to gaze around her in her quiet solitude. As she watched, the sun emerged from behind the large fluffy cows and shone brightly, warming her skin. Without warning, Katie was suddenly pushed from the boat <coughs> and into the water. <coughs> Apologize. Sorry, let me start that one over. Without warning, Katie was suddenly pushed from the boat and into the water. She sank deeper and deeper as ropes mysteriously formed around her hands and ankles. A thick rope noose ensnared her neck and pulled her downward by a heavy unseen heavy weight. An icy chill pierced through the slumbering fog as the frigid water stole each breath one by one. What is happening? With her fading sense of reason, she thought, how can I save myself? Grasping desperately at the twisted ropes that clung around her neck and realized the realization of the impending fate consumed Katie. Someone help me! Hundreds of air bubbles escaped, cascading toward the surface as her battle for life continued. Pulling and tugging up successfully at the tethered weight that held her there, her mind reeled in panic. Water filled her lungs, extinguishing any hope of survival. Her mind screamed, oh God, no! With that, her last ounce of awareness washed away and her body went limp. The airy shroud of death seemed to envelop her, leaving only a cooling corpse behind. Strangely, the dreamlike vision continued as her spirit drifted away in the water, Fear was locked on the mortal face as a pair of empty eyes stared into the darkness. An eerie calm filled the silence as she pulled away. Looking at the motionless body, the sight of a familiar face confused her. In the dark, she saw a younger version of a certain person floated with, life, floated with lifeless eyes staring back at her. Slivers of rotting flesh drifted loosely from the face in the slow undercurrent. Trying to understand what she was seeing, Katie's mind raced with questions. She wanted a scream, but feared losing her last breath in the strange nightmare. 
As she watched the body drift in the water, it seemed to become more waterlogged and decomposed with every moment. As the dark, dead eyes stared at her, the body gained new life. It tried to speak with no sound, but no sound would come out as it mouthed the words, Watch out, he will kill you. As he concluded his warning, his eyes instantly went blank again. The last of the air bubbles escaped from his mouth and drifted up towards the water's surface. Lost in the dream, Katie was adrift between reality and spirit. The quiet calm of the darkness surrounded her. Just as she thought the nightmare had finally ended, a pair of unseen eyes suddenly grabbed her calves and dragged her further down into the black water. Immediately, she was jolted from the confines of her dream world and back inside her own bedroom. Katie wondered, is this real? Opening her eyes, she could see nothing in the shadowy darkness of her room. Still feeling the hands pulling on her legs, she jerked away as she repeatedly yelled, Let me go! Kicking her legs several times, Katie clawed her way towards the head of the bed and reached for the small lamp in the nightstand. Turning it on, she looked for the culprit, only to find the same face from her dream staring back at her. When a look of horror filled Katie's face, he released her legs and stared back at her with sorrowful eyes. And I can't read any more because it gives too much away. Wow. That's awesome. That... It I'm, is, and I'm like, don't stop, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kinda I told all... you that's my favorite chapter. <laughs> kind of makes you want to jump in there and save oh, her. You got... I mean... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So so that's just, that's that's what I, you know, I use those, you know, it's obviously the whole, the whole chapter isn't just what took place with me, but when she woke up with that, from that dream, you know, I thought this is a perfect opportunity because I know what it feels like to be pulled on by the, on your, from your legs with a right. spirit, you know, and, what, and so I was like, I want to use this, you know, and, uh. I had a lot of experiences, which I haven't even used yet in any of the books, which I'm going to use in future books. But, you know, it, it, it makes it a little more real, you know, sure. when you can, you can put in the experiences, you know. Right. Absolutely. Now, now I have a question. You had said that uh, your, I guess he's your husband now, um, has, was haunted now. Mm-hmm. Was that just a personal thing that went on with him or or did all this play together? I mean, because where did his his uh, hauntings come from? Well, from the time he was a child, uh, he started noticing he he actually lived in um, one of the old. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No houses. Uh... That wasn't far from his grandfather's house, which had been in built in. He, his grandfather had built the house, and great grandfather had built the house in 1904. Mm-hmm. And so, in both houses, the mill house that was was just down the road, and then his grandparents' house. The, at that time, by that time, there was a lot of spiritual activity. And at night, now he he grew up in a military family, so he was always expected to make sure his shoes were, you know, where they were supposed to be, his toys were put up, and you know everything should be, you know, prom, everything should be proper, you know. Right. And he would uh, all night long, he would say that these spirits would would speak, you know, in his room and scare him half to death, and he would see the shadows going there and he would, he would hear them messing with his toys and, you know, kind of like with that one toy, but this was more negative. You know, he said there was a lot of negative activity mm-hmm. and he, uh, he actually got to a point because it was for years he had this take place and, and he thought he was going crazy. He really did. And he, I mean, here he was a little kid, like eight, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, you know, mm-hmm. And the only thing that made him realize he wasn't crazy was that his brother talked to us, talked in the sleep and he shared a bedroom with his brother. But as always, his brother was always asleep. He never woke up. He was a hard sleep. And but his brother would talk in sleep and actually respond to the spirits talking in his sleep. So he knew because of his brother responding to him that he wasn't crazy. It was just he was haunted. And. Uh-huh. I mean, it was actually really wearing on him. It was they were scaring him every single night. You know, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to he he didn't know who to turn to. His mom didn't believe him. You know, didn't know what to do. Right. And uh, and when he was about eleven years old, he actually tried to kill himself because of it. Oh wow! Because it was literally driving him crazy. And uh, and then Red stepped in. The spirit that I mentioned. Right. And it and red, he said the first time he seen him, he said he was like dressed in this red, he saw him a full apparition. He said it was like a it was in a red, like a, a velvet like jacket from like the French fourteen you know, like fourteen, fifteen hundred, something like that, you know, a long time ago. Yeah. And that's why he started and it had he said he had long black curly hair, real full curly hair. And he started calling Red because of the jacket. Right. Now, Red started standing guard over him at night. And at that, from that point on, those other spirits went away. So Red st- st- stepped in as like a guardian angel, guardian spirit, however you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And, and actually kept him, you know, safe. You know, and he, 
um, there were several points in his life that he actually saw red and red would either manifest or it seemed like red would be there more when he was going through a rough time, you know, but when things were going smooth, smoothly, you know, red wouldn't be, wouldn't be there. Right. And, and there were several times when we were in the apartment that I actually saw, I believe it was red. It since it felt like it sensed like it was him. You know how you can get a sense of things. Sure. Uh, and I saw him standing in the silhouette over the other side of the bed, over Chris. And so I assumed it was red. Hmm. And there was one time we were actually up in Bellbrook, Ohio, and going on a parent. We went to it. We were guest speaking actually at at a paranormal uh, conference. And we were on, as part of it, we went on investigation at this old uh, general, was like an old hardware store and everything, and general store. And then we went to this old, it was an old house that had, uh, was a quilting museum at the time. And we had the spirit box, and we're sitting there in the middle, it's in the middle of the floor, and and it's our it's doing all this this activity there's a lot of activity that went place in that in that entire place and that particular day and over that weekend but this particular time it said chris and we have a whole bunch of people there and we heard the voice say chris in the middle thing and then it said red and it's like holy crap we just heard red <laughs> <laughs> Red said hi. <laughs> wow. But could you, when you saw Red, could you see what he actually looked like? Well, when I saw him, I just saw the silhouette. So, and it was at night, like when we're sta- going to bed, and I would look over and I would see Red standing there, and 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 he was real tall, and I got the impression that it, it seemed like it was Red. Now, when I didn't actually see the apparition like Chris saw. I, Chris was the one who had actually seen the way that he looked. And then there was a couple of times where he, he looked and he didn't, he couldn't make out the face. The face was kind of blurred, but the rest of them was there. And, uh, and then, but, but the times I saw him, I never saw his full apparition. Chris only explained it to me, but the ones I saw were just in the shadow, basically, you know, in the, when we were in the dark in the bed and I could, there was a, I could see him in front of the window where the, the silhouette would show. So I never actually saw him. Okay, Chris's, Chris's, son, son, Chris's son has seen him a couple times, and Chris's ex-wife has seen him a couple times. So they both attest to having seen Red actually in apparition form several times. And, and it scared Chris's son half to death. You know, he's so scared of ghosts. To this day, he's scared of ghosts. He's like 26, 20, 24 years old, and he's scared. Scared of ghosts. <laughs> well, so is mine. You are, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm... your son is. Are you? Your child is, too. Your daughter. No, and my daughter, she's 29. She doesn't even like me to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, she yeah. she does okay if I have a brief conversation. Like you know, I say, I'm, well, you know, let's go to the graveyard or let's go to the hotel, and you know, this place is haunted or something like that. But when it comes down to, I guess, the nitty gritty of it, she wants no parts of it. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's 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 Chris's son. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about it at all. My daughter, my my oldest daughter, she just, you know, she's like, oh, whatever. You know, she's like, she just, uh, you know, she doesn't get into it too much. Uh, my youngest daughter, she did. Now, um, I actually lost her two years ago this month. And, uh, you know, that's another subject. But basically, she would actually, she was the one, you know, that was the one that had the ghost in the in the bedroom you know so she was the one kind of she was the one that would always watch the paranormal shows with me when she was real little and stuff you know she liked us and um so she was kind of my buddy in that regard you know so uh, i miss her a lot but but she was um you know she she actually went on the investigations with us too when she was a little older so Wow. So, uh, when you guys started having incidents in, in your house, uh, did, did you guys actually contact someone to come in and investigate or? Uh... No, um, that's the, one of the reasons why was, first of all, we were looking, that's when we were getting involved with the paranormal groups and got on Facebook and started connecting with other people and talking to people and getting some answers that way. And then we would go to other places. Uh, We would go to other places and actually do investigations to get a sense of what it was like. And we gained, we got our own paranormal equipment. We have, you know, we have a a PSB seven. We have, you know, a bunch of other, you know, equipment that we use. We have Mm. a, we, we had a, it's not really working very well now, we had a have a had a, uh, a camera, you know, infrared camera. Uh, right. One of the older ones was Zero Lux, and and so, uh, you know, we we did do a lot of that. But one of the things we had had people had warned us was that if we do investigations and stuff in our apartment, that we might amp up the activity. Yes, yes, and, it could make and it worse. And so, so we were worried because we were already had so much activity going on as it was. We couldn't imagine if it was going to get worse, you know, because we were already having stuff happen almost every day. Right. So it would be, I, I couldn't imagine if it, if it got any worse, especially once that one negative spirit started doing some stuff. Now, he actually didn't show up until the last about three to four months. So I don't know if he was a new one and, or he tagged along and came back to the house with us when we went on an investigation or what. That's very possible. You know, um, but the other thing I did was I did do some research um, of our location. And I found out that there had been a serial rapist that had done a murder-suicide when he got cornered. Wow. And it was in the apartment community. I do not, they would not tell us, they didn't tell us where it took place. But I had a strong feeling that it was within at least my apartment building. (laughs) Because... (laughs) 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because I had, because of the fact that that was... Um, uh, constantly was attacking me and was not attacking Chris, you know. And so it made sense that this might be that spirit that, you know, he had this negativity towards women, you know. Right. right. And so, well, the and up until that point, we really hadn't had any negative experiences. Everything was like, okay, this is strange, you know, curiosity. You know, we were just very inquisitive on what it was about, what we were dealing with. But it, it, there wasn't anything negative up until that point. It was just very frequent. You know, we had some unusual things. Um, we even had an airport take place. I don't know if you've ever heard of airports. But airports are when an object literally manifests and you have no explanation for where it came from. Yes. Okay. So we were actually sitting in the living room and we had just cleaned the entire apartment. Uh, and we heard this noise. Something bounced in the kitchen. And we were in the living room. There was a bar between the kitchen and the li- living room. But you could hear everything because there w- it wasn't a wall there or anything. And... We we just swept, cleaned, mopped, you know, vacuumed everything, and all of a sudden we heard this this metallic sounding ball like bounce like once or twice, very very lightly, not not a lot. Okay, it wasn't didn't drop from a big distance, like just a couple inches, and then it rolled slightly and stopped, and we were like, what was that? And we we both got up, we both heard it. At the same time, we got up, went in the kitchen, and there's this metallic ball bearing about an inch in diameter sitting in the middle of our floor. I'm like, where did that come from? You know, mm-hmm. I, a metallic ball bearing that looks like it comes from an industrial piece of equipment. There was no explanation for it to be in the middle of our floor, especially since we heard it fall there. <laughs> Wow. And it didn't come from the ceiling. It was in the middle of the floor. It wasn't even near. It wasn't. It was four or five feet feet away from the counter, the cabinets and stuff. 
it wasn't near anything. Hmm. And we had never seen it before. It's, this was a very small apartment, so it wasn't like there was any place to hide anything, you know? Right. And so we look at it, we're like, where did this come from? And then we started researching and found out it's called an airport. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, this is another another unique experience that not very many people have had. And it was about a month later, and we had, again, just cleaned the entire apartment. So we knew for a fact there wasn't anything weird laying around and everything. You know, it wasn't. We had just vacuumed, just mopped, swept everything. And we're laying, we're laying on the couch or sitting on the couch and I looked down and I, and I saw this metallic object on the, on the floor again in the middle. And we just swept the carpet. I go over and there's a ball bearing in the middle of the carpet. I'm like, did you leave your ball bearing over here? And I looked at it and looked a little different, I said, and it had a big old scratch on it. I said, this one's got a scratch. I said, did you scratch it? He says, no. He says, mine's the one we just, we, the one we found before is in the kitchen, in the bedroom. And he went and got it, and it was another ball bearing. <laughs> a second ball bearing happened within a month. Wow. And again, it looks like it's part of a piece of industrial equipment. Like, and it was just a slightly different shape, but it was pretty much the same size. You know, within a millimeter of the other one. I was sitting there thinking, where in the world does this come from? You. And so we just had some really unique experiences, you know. Right, right. That, that's and, strange. And it wasn't until that until that last spirit came into play the last few months, and then we had we were already our or at least was, it was the apartment's getting too small for us anyway. But the um, the the lease was almost up anyway, and we're like, well, we're just going to ride this one out, and then we're moving. <laughs> we're <laughs> no getting doubt. out of here. <laughs> no doubt. And it didn't follow us there. It didn't follow us anywhere after that. Huh. Well, that's interesting. So somebody else got that spirit <laughs> uh, <laughs> to deal with. <laughs> that's not me anymore. Well, that's cool. Um, i tell you what. We're going to go ahead and jump into our break, and mm-hmm. when we come back, uh, I want to – talk briefly about the ball bearing thing again just just an idea that i just kind of wanted to throw out there and uh and then maybe we can go into some of the new stuff that you're getting ready to go into that sound okay Okay. sure sounds good all right well bear with us and it's probably going to be five or six minutes so you get to take you a break and uh and uh you know we'll we'll come back in just a minute um all right. Well, everybody in Wiregrass Haunts Land, as I call it, I uh, want to thank you for listening. We will return um, with our awesome, awesome guest, Miss Kimberly Brulette. And we're going to talk some more about the what we we're just talking about, the ball bearings. And we're going to get into some new stuff that she's doing. So y'all rush on back. And thanks for listening. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Let's go surfing now, everybody's learning now. Come on a safari with me, come on a safari with me. Early in the morning we'll be starting out, some honeys will be baking the scene. I loaded up my woody with the boards on top, and I put on my faded blue jeans. Cause we're up, come on baby, wait and see, yes, I'm gonna take you surfing Surfing now, everybody's learning now. Come on a safari with me. 
I'm on a safari In Huntington, Malibu, they're shooting the beer At Rincon, they're walking the nose We're going on safari to the islands this year So if you're coming, get ready to go releases, blog posts, product descriptions, academic writing to cheat in class, social media marketing, and even logo design. Don't worry, there's a lot more, but I'm not going to list them right here. You need to visit Arden Marketing Enterprises at arden-ent.com. That's A-R-D-E-N-E-N-T.com. Or if you would like to speak personally to the owner of Arden Marketing Enterprises, Call Teresa Fikes at 334-648-1214. Again, Teresa Fikes at 334-648-1214. Get on it.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As I walk along, I wonder what went wrong with our love. The love was so strong. about becoming a published author don't have time around work school or family let us do the work for you 
Save time by allowing eWriter resources to work for you. You deserve the best online writing services available. Let us make your book and your dreams come true. Be a published author in 14 days when we custom ghostwrite your ebook. If you need an expert, allow us to handle your business writing and ebook. We are capable of creating ebook covers, websites, and all the content to go on it. Check us out at eWriterResources.com.
Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wiregrass Haunts. I am your host, Mr. Stan Bikes, and I have an awesome, awesome guest. She has told us some stuff in the beginning, but I also have my awesome co my co-host with me. Shawana, are you with me? Yes, I am. I am here. I'm excited. Yeah. Should have got yeah. my, you know, I'm on the edge of my seat with that chapter she wrote, and I'm just. I know. <laughs> I know, and and you know, it's kind of a rarity that we get a guest of, of such magnitude that will come on and give us a little tidbit of their work, and 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 you know, we get to kind of we kind of got caught up in, in. In fact, I was sitting there listening, like, oh no, she stopped, you know. So, uh, you know, I. And now so, we want to be with you, Kimberly. Yes. Yes. Everybody, welcome back, Kimberly Brulette. Kimberly, so we want more. Can you give us more? Sure. <laughs> well, real quick, I wanted sure. to ask you something about this, the, the, the little metal ball bearings. Uh, an mm -hmm. opinion. It's actually kind of something that I read one time. There was a situation to where this gentleman was a serial killer and he went around killing all women. It was all women. Mm. He, ne he never sexually assaulted them. He just murdered them. Mm. Uh, buried them in a shallow grave and then sent letters to their, to their uh, kinfolk letting them know where they are. Mm. Well, the police uh, cornered him up at an old house. Well, long story short, they ended up having to kill him. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, this man, by trade, was a shoemaker. Well, hmm. when after, uh, several years passed, and somebody bought the place where he was killed and uh they were actually there and started experiencing paranormal activity they would uh have different things to move around and stuff like that and then they started finding soles of shoes they found them in their house they found them in the barn they even found them in their car mm -hmm. and so they actually had a medium to come over and they did a seance. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Supposedly contacted the guy. And he confessed to all the murders and stuff through this medium. And how they verified the fact that it was him was the fact that he made shoes. He worked on shoes. He repaired them. And the shoe soles, the actual soles, they were physical, physical things that was on this plane were shoes that he had made, came off of shoes that he had made 30 years prior. And they actually cross-referenced that with his with some of his his family and went into their storage and found out that the soles of these shoes were missing. Hmm. So I wonder in your case if what what uh mechanism or what or what actual job did that uh rapist or whatever it was that was there I wonder what he had was he a machinist or something like that and that was a way of of letting everybody know, hey, this is me, you know, that type of thing. What do you think? Yeah, I, it might be. And that's a good possibility because it just, you know, it just was so out of place. You know, it didn't make any sense as to why, you know, that would be there. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it really didn't make any sense. See, stuff like that bugs me. I mean, to no end. Okay, mm. 1,500 years ago, man, you were doing this and now... These inanimate objects are showing up, and it's got you know mm-hmm. it's got to be something tied to that. So you know, whenever I go to research, and of course, my wife is the lead to our research team. Mm-hmm. My my wife can can find out the color of the bottom of a shoe of a Confederate soldier. You know, hmm. I mean, she's just that yeah. good, red. I'm, I mean, literally. And uh, so I, I tell her all the time, I said, what, what about this scenario? What, what about this? And, of course, if I get too out there, she'll tell me, hey, shut up. You know, just, that's just crazy. But uh, um, so I, I wonder about these things. And people ask me all the time, what do you think about this situation? How could this be? You know, and, and it just, I just, it just kind of played in whenever you were telling me that. And I'm like. I wonder if the guy was a machinist or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I couldn't figure out why a mulberry. I mean, what was it? This isn't something that you typically find in your home, right? You know, if you have it in your home, there's a reason for it to be there. It's not just going to show up. <laughs> exactly, and and not ball bearings don't usually, like you said, show up in an apartment. I mean, I can't think no. of. I had no piece of equipment that there would be relevant to. I mean, it was like something like it would, like I would imagine it was like on one one of these big tracks where you might have these ball bearings that keep something moving along a track or something. It was more like that size, you know. Right. Right. Wow. Um, it wasn't something that would be used in like a, a piece of, of household, you know, equipment of any sort, appliance, anything. Right. You know? It's just too big. Wow, that stuff like that, like I said, I, I had to ask that question because that bugs me. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like you going into what ifs. What if this, mm-hmm. you know. 
<laughs> so, uh, but that, I mean, it's pretty cool, and and you know, I hate that anybody experiences any type of negative, but it's pretty cool when you get to experience that type of paranormal activity because that's not an everyday thing. Oh no, not at all. Even you know, even. Just- even in the paranormal field, that's not an everyday thing. So, uh, you know, those are few and far between. So you definitely can tell somebody, hey, I experienced something I bet you mm-hmm. don't understand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> even even with the in the paranormal field, you know, there's, you know, a lot of people have experienced ghosts. But how many people have it had that something like that take place where something just showed out of nothing? You know, literally, and we heard it take place. It wasn't even just a matter of of it. You know, we think it did. We heard it fall from somewhere. You know, and it wasn't even like it was that far. It was just dropped within inches above because it didn't roll very far. It only rolled right. You know, you could tell. You know how you hear metal rolling. Mm -hmm. Um, It it was rolled just a few inches. So it, it. you know, something was in the middle of the floor and dropped it from from only a couple inches high. Well, I've never technically experienced exactly that. I have had things thrown at me, um, my hair yanked, mm-hmm. uh, pushed mm-hmm. around, things like that. But you know, I think that would be really super interesting. You know, you're on an investigation and boop, something falls out of thin air, yeah. basically. And yeah. Like, what in the hell? Yeah. You know? Have no explanation. And we had control over our environment. It wasn't like a, a paranormal investigation somewhere else where something might appear that you aren't sure if it might have been there or not. You right. know, especially some of these old places where it might be some old, you know, some old, like we went to a hardware store. You know, a ball bearing might show up in a hardware store. Sure. You know, sure, you know that. that would make sense. It doesn't make sense for it to show up in an apartment. <laughs> So, so yeah, you, did, you didn't keep the ball bearings. Yeah, yeah, we've got them both still. Oh, dear. oh, yeah, yeah. But you and said nothing followed it. you, right? No, nothing. Yeah. We went into another house. We've actually lived in. A, we're in the second house since we moved out of the apartment. We have had some experiences here. Um, there was a, a little lady, literally a little old lady. She had lived here most of her life. The house was, they built, her and her husband built the house in 1950. And, and so she died about 10 years ago and in the house. So she did die in this house. Hmm. And uh, I talked to the neighbor that actually knew her. He's lived there 27 years. So he knew her fairly well. And she had had a stroke. And was partially disabled on one side, basically. And she would have us a chair that was right off of the kitchen area where we have our dining room stuff. And she had a chair and she had a TV and she was in the kitchen all the time. That's basically where I am now. (laughs) Sitting at the table. She was here all the time and she had a TV and she was she couldn't move around very much, but she felt comfortable. She loved her kitchen, you know, and it's a big kitchen, too. And this is where most of the activity takes place. It's in this kitchen. You know, we'll hear something move that doesn't ex- it doesn't have any explanation. We'll hear some metallic sound like something was dropped. You know, that just makes no sense. And we'll be in the living room. We'll hear something messing with the stove, and you know, or, or the the little spoon that we you know the little uh, spoon that holds the 
sloppy spoons, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. the met ceramic yeah. one. Yeah. We, you know, we'll hear it lift and then, I mean, we hear it drop slightly. So, and you can, and I'll make the, I'll replicate the sound and that's what it was, you know, where it's a, a ceramic against a metallic sound. And, and it's exactly like that. So it's like she would pick up the spoon and let it drop. And, and the, at about a month ago, Chris was in the living room and he heard this little old voice say, hello, hello. And I wasn't home. And he went in and it was, it was out of the kitchen. And so, you know, and I've, I've actually seen, um, I have a, we have a closet door and the light automatically comes on mm-hmm. when you open the door. And I was, I, w- I had some health issues. I had pancreatitis a couple of years back and, and the door, I was, I was sleeping on the couch a lot and the door is pretty, it's pretty secure. It's, it's not, you know, like it fl- opens by itself. Well, at one, about three o'clock in the morning, I was laying on the, on the couch, almost uh, just kind of halfway asleep, had just started drifting off and the door opens and that light comes on and my dog starts growling. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it was in the middle of the night, and that's the only time that happened. Wow. That's kind of freaky. That's double That is. So, I mean, but that's about it, and we're pretty sure, you know, it's that little old lady, you know. Um, My neighbor, I was telling my neighbor about the other day, and he says, have you thought about getting, you know, a priest to come in there and get get some holy water or something? I said, if she's... She doesn't do anything. It's not like it's a negative spirit. She apparently likes, you know, she liked being here. This is where she had a home for 60 years, you know? Sure. So it was more her her home than it was mine, you know? So it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, but I don't, I don't have, I don't, I don't, it hasn't been any negative, you know, with her. It's not negative, you know? I think she's just, she's just there. Right. We, you, you know, I've run across situations to where you have odd and end things happen. And then I knew a family one time that, that was similar. You know, they had what they felt like was the previous owner that was, was kind of hung up there. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they actually called in a pastor and blessed the home and... Probably six, eight weeks after that, they started having negative issues with things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, and it turned out to end up being a nightmare. And mm. uh, uh, and it was all because the pastor came in. And as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Was trying to exile something that wasn't there. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of opened up a door for a negative, you know, a negative spirit. And uh, that's why I tell people, you know, they, we have two people, two families right now have called us and said, hey, can you come bless our house? <coughs> well, we do cleansings. In fact, Shawana's mm-hmm. in charge of, uh, she's one of our founders. And she's in yeah. charge of our cleansings and things like that. But. You know, I tell these people, we can't just come in there and try to do a cleansing of something we don't know what we're dealing with. Sure. And, Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. you know you're going to step into a realm that, you know, you write, pardon the expression, mm-hmm. you piss something off that that you don't want to do. And, yeah, uh, it could get worse. Exactly. And, you know, we, we have several different methods that we use. And if we just go in there and use the wrong thing, um, then it's just going to make things worse for the family. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's, exactly. that's, yeah, that's the whole reason for the investigation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but Shawana's very good at doing the cleansings. And um, so we're very blessed to have her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I mean. We just didn't want to mess with anything in that apartment because. We just, we didn't want it to make it worse. You know, it must have been a portal or something because there was just so much spiritual activity going on. But most of it was benign and, you know, we could deal with it. It's just that last spirit, you know. Yeah. yeah. He was rough. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Ball bearing, we'll call him. Yeah, yeah. He was, <coughs> Mr. Mean. He was, oh, he was, he was mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so now... I know you're working on new material. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you go in depth with a little bit of the new material, or is this something that you can't really tell us anything about? Or? No, I, I can. Um, I'm actually working on. Uh, I, I mentioned about my daughter, and this right. is this is kind of a, a sad turn of events. Um, the youngest, my youngest daughter, and it wasn't related to anything. We had actually we didn't have any real paranormal. She wasn't involved with us with paranormal activity for for a couple of years after you know towards when she was started getting a little older she you know became a teenager and she was starting to do her own thing and everything and we um started having some issues with her and she was getting into stuff you know t- typical teenager stuff you know that right. they do and and i then all of a sudden she we had a she had an incident. I won't get into all the incidents, but I, I basically grounded her, and um, I wasn't going to let her see a certain friend anymore due to what her influence was. 
mm-hmm. and she was real angry with me. And I thought she was trying to get back at me, you know, and, and try to use it so that she would go and stay with her dad more, you know, things like that. You know, typical teenage stuff with a divorced family, you know, divorced parents. Right. And um, she actually accused us of abusing her. I'm sitting there saying, what are you talking about? You know, this makes no sense. You know, we'd love you. You know, we wouldn't hurt you. Where are you come? Where's this coming from? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was actually I was really upset. And I thought she was just basically trying to use something to be able to go stay with her dad, you know. And so what happened was that you know she kept saying this, and I got it was over the summer. I was so upset about. It, I took her to see a therapist about it, and I, and I said, well, "What? What's going on?" And the therapist talked to me and said, "Well, she's making it up." I was like, well, how can you tell? She said, because she can't tell you details. They're all generalities. And then when you try to talk to her about specifics, she changes her stories each time. Or if some detail doesn't make sense and you go back, she changes the story again to, mm-hmm. to suit your, her purposes. But it's not consistent. So it didn't take place. At least nothing to the degree that she's talking about. And uh, I'm like, okay, because, you know, if you have something, and I knew this from personal experience, when you have something traumatic happen to you, I mean, just like what happened with me being pulled off the bed, you mm-hmm. remember that every single detail of what took place. Right. You know, if it's something that in, in significant, you know. And so when I, uh, you know, when I, I was a little relieved, but at the same time, I was sitting there thinking, well, why is she doing this? She says, I can't tell you. She won't tell me. You know, she wouldn't say what, she, well, what the reason was. She thinks, for whatever reason, she thinks this is real. Or at least that's the way she's coming across. And so I thought, well, she just, she'll get past it, and we'll figure something out, and things will get better over the summer. And she actually went and moved with, with her dad over the summer. And I was like, okay, so, so what's going on, you know? Are you coming back? And she's like, no. She says, you know, I, I'm 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 staying with that. And I'm like, what is going? You know, what is? I, it just she had been with me her whole life. You know, yeah. even after the divorce, she's been with me. So, you know, for five years after the divorce. And so I'm sitting there like, what what's going on? You know. And finally, I, I mean, I really didn't understand it. And finally, about eight months, nine months later. She, I mean, my ex-husband calls me at 11 o'clock at night and says, you got to meet me down at behavioral health in Charlotte. I'm like, for what? And uh, he said, Kelsey, something's wrong with Kelsey. I'm like, something's wrong with Kelsey? What are you talking about? She's, did she an accident? What? He says, no, no, she was putting holes in the walls and pulling the popcorn down off the ceiling and. She thinks that things are spying on her. She thinks her teachers are CIA agents. I'm like, what? He says, no, you just, you just got to come down here. I don't know what's wrong with her. So I meet him down there, and she's in a fetal position in the, in the, uh, you know, in the waiting area. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's totally paranoid. They don't know what's going on. And we're there all night because the doctors, there's a whole, the whole waiting room is full of these kids dealing with different stuff. 
And so we're there till eight in the morning before the doctor actually gets to see us. So we're sitting there with her on a on a little foam mat on the floor all night long in the waiting area. And they turned off the light so that it was kind of dark. But there was probably 20, 25 other kids in the same room um, doing the same thing, laying on these mats on the floor. And this is what we, our first experience with regard to mental health stuff. And so, you know, when people complain about the health industry, they really have no clue unless they've dealt with something with the mental health industry because it's the last thing they talk about. It's the last thing they focus on. The I'm talking about nationwide. They don't spend any money on doing the health care for mental health. Right. Even if you got insurance. I'm just talking about the facilities are not there. So you might have a couple hundred beds in a whole city dedicated in the whole state of North Carolina, there's less than 2,000 beds dedicated to mental health patients. And only a very small fraction of those are for juveniles. At any given moment in North Carolina, there's one to three beds available for a juvenile in the whole state. And that's wow. just North Carolina. That's every state pretty much. Every state is about the same. Mm-hmm. So, so we literally sat there all night long waiting for the doctor. And then they take her back, and you know, presumably when you go into a to a uh, mental health uh, thing, normally you actually, uh, you know, you expect to be able to go in with your daughter, your son, into the with the doctor's office, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they wouldn't let us go back, with her. and so I basically had to relinquish her to the doctor for them to observe her and talk to her. And she was with the doctors for another eight hours before I found out. They were actually telling me that unless they found a bed pretty soon, they were going to ship her off to Raleigh or Wilmington or Rashville. You know? And so she was going to basically be sent away. And I was either going to have to go to a hotel room, and I would only get to see her for about an hour, hour and a half at night. And then the rest of the day, I wouldn't get to see her at all. And this is the way it is when you go into a mental health facility. Right. You, know, you don't have any control over what's going on with your own child. And you don't even get to be there with them. Through this very frightening time. I mean, she was 14 years old when this took place. Wow. And I couldn't even be there with her, with the doctor. And so I, uh, so what happened was, uh, we finally, fortunately, did get at the last minute, uh, I told him, I said, I can't, I've got a full-time job here, and my husband has a full-time, my ex-husband has a full-time job. I, I have to find, you have to find a bed here in Charlotte, because I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, am I going to have to go stay somewhere for, and they said she could be up to 30 days mm-hmm. in that a facility, in lockdown. And she ended up being there for 10 days. So imagine having to do, just drop everything and go to another city two to three hours away so that you can see your child for an hour, an hour and a half a day. Mm-hmm. And you still have your job and everything else back at home, possibly other kids, 
you know, everything. So what do you do, you know? And, um, I mean, unless you've been thrown into this situation, most people don't even know that this happens. You know, this goes, and then I've heard some even some more horror stories about transportation issues. They treat them worse than prisoners. Right. And they, the cops are the ones that actually, the police are the ones that actually take them to the other facility. If they transport them, they tra- transport them in a paddy wagon, literally, with a metal seat, at least in North Carolina, that's what they do. And uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's a horrible experience. Unfortunately, she never had to go somewhere else. She was always able to get a bed in Charlotte, but it wasn't without waiting for a long period of time. So anyway, so after she's been there for about eight days, we're like, finally, the doctor, and you can't just call them up. You can't talk to them. You know, they don't, they don't let you just call up and say, hey, can I talk to Kelsey? Right. So you have no communication with them other than when you go there for the hour and a half or so that you're there. And finally, after seven days, they said, well, Eight days, you know, the doctor calls us and said, "Yeah, we're ready for well, meet with you and talk about her diagnosis." And the next day, like day nine, we met with him and he said, "Well, he explained what she was going through and all these different things, and some of the delusions had gotten worse, and she really did think her teachers were CIA agents, literally spying on her. She thought everything electronic was spying on her, and TVs, phones, everything." She thought that they were all spotting on her. And she basically had paranoid schizophrenia. Is what she had, uh, is what they had, had said. And um, so I had no experience and no one that I knew had ever talked about having anything remotely related to what we were going through. So I had no, nothing to, to fall back on. I'd had plenty of other health experiences that I had had known, but never anything in the mental health care industry. And so after about, uh, you know, things got kept on getting progressively worse. Um, just the system in general is there's not a lot of things that people that tell you what resources are out there. They don't tell you what to do legally with regard to, they don't make any suggestions saying, hey, you should go talk to a lawyer about this or that or you know, when they turn 18, make sure that you, you know, you're aware of your options because, you know, when they turn 18, that they don't sign that HIPAA form, even if they're in mental crisis, which we actually have happened. Six mm-hmm. weeks after she turned 18, she's still a senior in high school. She's now in this attitude of, I'm an adult now. What are you going to do about it? You can't make me do anything. And she stopped taking her meds. And within six weeks, she's back in, uh, she's back in her um, lockdown. Where my my ex husband was dropping her off, and she wouldn't sign the HIPAA form. Now, now the doctors won't even tell us what's going on. She's mm-hmm. 18 years old, a senior in high school, and we can't even talk to the doctors about what she's going through. Wow! And we have no clue how long she's been. Through. So it's just it is it is one of the worst nightmares that a parent could go through because you have absolutely no control over what's going on and nobody really can tell you anything Mm -hmm. because not many people will talk about those experiences. And so even if they have been going through it, you have no clue because nobody talks about it. They can't give you advice because they don't know you're going through it either because you don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about it. I had aunts and uncles that didn't know a clue what was going on. 
you know, and then, and then, so what happens is when she started getting worse and worse and worse, and, you know, I'm skipping over a lot of, a lot of what happened, but just due to time, but that last year, because she was stopping, she stopped taking her meds. She was in such a bad place. She kept losing weight. She wasn't sleeping. She thought she was being attacked by demons every night. She wasn't, she was just, she was a ghost of herself. I mean, wow. she stopped doing anything remotely part of her personality. It was just gone. She was talking to voices in the mirror. And she would sit there. She actually lost two, at least two jobs because she went in the bathroom and she started talking to voices in the mirror. And so that's why when I thought about naming the book, I called it Lost in the Looking Glass, hmm. A Family's Journey to Schizophrenia Suicide. Because three days before her 19th birthday, she took her life. Mm. And it was two years ago this month. Mm. And so what I, what I, after she died and, you know, I won't get into all the details of the time tonight because, you know, we're, we're close, you know, getting close to the end of the show. And, but one of the things that, you know, I started looking back, what could I have done differently? What, what do I wish I had known mm. that I don't? I know now that I wish I had known then. And here I, you know, I'm a writer. You know, I've written a bunch of poems. You know, and 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 in order and in in response, excuse me, to my grief. You know, in order to make me feel better. Right. You know, get some of this out. And I remember that the night she died, she had actually been sitting there in the in the deputy found her twice. He kept going back to her and and trying to talk to her. And she was saying her friend was going to text where they were going to meet, right? Mm-hmm. And this happened twice. And so and she wasn't doing anything wrong. And the third time he came back, she took her life. She had shot herself. Oh. And I was like, what? resource because she wasn't doing anything wrong there wasn't anything legal that he could do because she wasn't doing anything illegal but he knew in his gut something was right so what can i do to change that circumstance for somebody else and i figured it out and i'm i'm working on i've actually written a proposal 16 pages where there's something similar to an amber alert system that i'm calling a green flag alert it's under the radar that would be an addendum to the HIPAA form. And I'm actually talking to senators and congressmen about this. So I'm actually, you know, working on this on a, on a national level and a state level as well. Talking to state senators as well um, about an addendum to the HIPAA form that would allow an emergency contact information for people of severe mental illnesses. So mm-hmm. that there's, there's a possibility that that officer has something and it's a voluntary thing. So it, puts it in the system of the first responders so that they have somebody that they can call in the event of an emergency because that person will probably go into crisis at some point or another. And who would, who can you call on? How do you get that taken care of? If this had been in that their hands at that time and he saw her tag and he ran her tag and there's a green flag on it, had my name and contact information, he could have called me and he could have said, Hey, I've got Kelsey here by the side of the road, you know, and something doesn't seem right, but she's not doing anything wrong. But I see that she's got a green flag on her, on her information. Mm -hmm. 
Is this right? You know, is there something I should, should be worried about? And I would have said, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Can you just wait just for a few minutes while I get this, get over there? And there would have been a completely different outcome. Right. So, you know, it was a sad, it was extremely sad. It was tragedy. You know, I didn't know that she was suicidal. I didn't know anything about the gun. She had no crime. She had no criminal record. She was 18. She passed a background check. Yeah. But she had schizophrenia. And there's nothing preventing them if they don't have a if they don't have a criminal background. There's there's nothing except for unless they've already said that they've got to harm themselves or someone else, which she had not indicated. Yes. She kept that all herself. So the night that she the the night that she died, then that early that next morning, my ex husband wakes me up at four, you know like three in the morning, four in the morning. That was about four in the morning, and he told me, and of course I was completely you know it just destroyed me you know yeah, yeah. find out i was dumbfounded by the whole experience and after he left and i was trying to go back to sleep and i heard a nightingale i never i'm, I'm a night out i'm a night owl so i don't hear morning birds ever you know i just don't and i heard and very distinctly a nightingale right before i was trying to go to sleep i was it's like 5 30 in the morning i heard it and I and I and I, I said I got to remember that. And so three days later was her birthday, and I actually wrote a poem, and I'll read the poem for you. Mm-hmm. And it's called a, "A Million Pieces." And forgive me if I start crying, but um, it's okay. I might cry for you. Too. <laughs> it's, <coughs> the nightingale wails in the twilight as my soul mourns for you. Your torment is finally over. The crying is all that I do. But now you're in heaven and so very far from me. I wish things were different. It's you I wish I could see. Today is your birthday, three days since you died. My heart is drowning in sorrow from the million tears I've cried. For the- As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Questions that I have, answers may never come. Your torment is finally over, but mine has just begun. 
Forever my heart will mourn you. There's no comfort to be found in the loss of a child to whom you are bound. Just know I'll always love you. I'll miss you each day. I want to hold you and kiss you. Oh, all the things I would say. A million pieces of my heart are scattered all around. If love was an ocean, I know that I'd drown. Heaven has another angel much before her time. My heart is so very broken. Always know that you're mine. I wish I could hold you to keep you so near. I want to tell you I love you and all the things dear. But my heart is heavy. The reason is clear. You're no longer with me, my sweet baby, my dear. Wow. That is beautiful, but heavy. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And I noticed when I started writing this, I I would every once in a while would run across a a different event like her, whether it's a birthday or Thanksgiving or actually the new year. I just really had a hard time going into the next, the new year, because I was like, this was the first year, that was the first year, 2019 was the first year that I had not had her as part of my life. Mm. And I went to her grave on New Year's, and I just mourned, you know, I just, it just broke my heart all over again to think I've got a, a whole year now that I've, that's not you're not going to be a part of it at all, mm. you know. And um, and so I would write these poems, and it was very cathartic for me to write these poems because I felt like I was getting some of that out. It was kind of my self-therapy. Sure. And I would share the poems on my author page. I have an author page, by the way, on Facebook. And uh, I would share the poems on there, and, and people would tell me how much it touched them, you know, their heart to hear, to read these poems and that they might have a loved one that they had been mourning, but these, that I was able to put into words what they were feeling. And it just really touched them. And so for, for about a year, I would write these poems and I would share them. And, you know, I, I, I would always get a really positive response back even sad but very positive you know and I wrote different ones and different focuses on it and I would when I talked about the fact that you know you just sometimes you feel like you're getting better and then just like you you, like it just pulls you back in something will happen and you'll think oh why am I happy why am I why can I how can I laugh my child's dead you know Mm -hmm. and it's like you get pulled back into it you know, of this morning, you know, the sense of morning. So, so anyway, and that's, you know, I understand that's, that's, that's typical. This isn't something that's unusual at all. But, but when I started, um, you know, going through all this, I, I realized, wait a minute, this writing these poems has helped me because it gets it out, you know, mm-hmm. and it's created something that benefits everybody else. And I, the more I thought about it, and I was actually trying, I had been writing another book, The Fury of the Fallen. I had actually written, I've written 45,000 words. Wow. But I stopped in the middle of my project because my books are about 100,000 words in length. I mean, they're not, they're not small. <laughs> they're about <laughs> 400 pages. No doubt. So, 
um, I was, you know, in the middle of it, I couldn't write anymore. I just, I, had, I hadn't written anything since Kelsey died, and I was just, I, I couldn't write anymore on that project. And I was like, I can't start this project until I write something that, that comes from a parental perspective that, that, it, that helps other people. So I began my project, Lost in the Looking Glass, A Family's Journey Through Schizophrenia and Suicide, which I'm, I'm almost done with it. I've got about five more chapters to go, and I'll be done. Hmm. And uh, I, it, it's basically the stuff that I wish somebody would have told me when I was going through all that. And I, the first part of the book, I talk about the memoir aspect of what what took place with Kelsey's life and how things, she was just a normal kid. She, she was artistic. She was talented. She was funny. You know, she was the quirky one that was always mischievous, you know? And, mm-hmm. and there was all these things that, that was, she was just her, her own person. She had her own style. She had an old soul. You know, she liked older music. You know, she didn't even like the stuff from today, you know, the kids from the day. She liked stuff from 20, 30 years ago, you know? And all that was lost in that looking glass. You know, when she started talking to those voices in the mirror, it just, just slowly took her, her personality, her spirit. It just, it just, it just stole it. The illness stole it away. And so there was things that, that I found out after she died, and it was too late for, for me to do anything, um, but I found out about certain resources, which I wish I had known about. It might have made a difference. I'm not saying it would have, but it might. If we had known that these resources existed, for instance, uh, Mental Health America and NAMI, uh, NAMI.org, they have, they have um, these classes for loved ones to help their loved ones with severe mental illness, hmm. you know, to understand how to deal with daily life and struggles that those families go through as they're trying to help their, their loved one, mm-hmm. you know? But how much better would it have been if we had been given some tools to understand what we needed to do? Right. And so those are the things that, you know, as I was thinking about, well, what do I write about? What do I need to write about? And, and I started looking, and, you know, I couldn't find it. At that point, I couldn't find anything, but I finally discovered in the past 30 years, there's been about, there's plenty of books that have been written by doctors and therapists, and there's some books that have been written by people that are mentally ill that have like schizophrenia or something where they become, you know, a therapist or something. They've written books about their experiences. I'm not saying those don't exist, but when I actually try to look for ones from a parent's or caregiver's perspective, I found three books of, of consequence. That had been written in 30 years. Three. Wow. And one was from 1990, I believe it was 1994. So, and there was one in 2005. And there was finally one in 2017. There's been a couple more that have come out this year, so it seems like it's actually trending. So I'm actually on the right trend, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, people are starting to realize that this needs to be talked about. But from a parent's perspective and knowing what you need to do as a parent or what can you do as a parent and what should be you be worried about and what should you 
be aware of as far as legal aspects and things like that. I'm not saying I make legal advice or medical advice, but there are certain things that I wish I had known about where I would have had somebody tell me, hey, you should go talk to a lawyer about this because you can do this. Or did you know there's this psychiatric advance directive that you can actually set up, and many states have this, a plan for a crisis management situation for a patient that you know has severe mental illness. And you can plan it while they're cognizant so that when they go, and this is even for adults, when they go into this mental crisis state, that you have a plan of action, the doctors are aware of it. It's like a DNR kind of level of, of authority where right. the doctor signs off, patient signs off, and they actually have, they tell what, which people have the authority to talk to the doctors and stuff, even without signing the HIPAA form. Hmm. You've already taken care of all that. You know, I went to my doctor for a physical today, and I was telling her, because her, she's had a similar experience with her son that happened with my daughter. And, you know, I asked her, I told her what my project was. She was really interested. She looked it up, and, you know, they didn't even have the PAD initiative in their medical system. They have a DNR in there. Why don't they have a PAD initiative? Right. It's the doctors that are supposed to be helping fill these out. Why isn't it in their system? And they're talking about the same system that has the medical facility that my daughter was in. But not once did somebody tell us that it even existed because they don't even know about it. Wow. So those are the type of things that, you know, they need to take care of. There's an IND exclusion where... Because, and this has been around since 1963, so this isn't even the medical stuff that's been around for recently. But in 1963, they decided, oh, we're going to let everybody with severe mental illnesses start being taken care of at home as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And they actually made it impossible, almost impossible, for, for medical care to be given to someone between the ages of 21 and 64 for severe mental illness, for Medicare, funded by Medicare. So that's one of the reasons why the homeless population has increased so significantly because there's no place for them to go. Exactly. It's not. It's not a financial crisis. It's a mental health crisis. And people, most about, they estimate as many as between 25 and 40 percent of the homeless population is schizophrenic or other, and 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 possibly other a mix of other mental illnesses. But about over half of the population of homeless are due to mental illness. Hmm. Lost so, in the politics. Yeah, and that's been going on for 50 years. This isn't something new. Right. This has been going on for a long time. And so, anyway, these are the things that I, I've been, you know, basically I realized as I was studying what, what we were dealing with and what needed to be fixed in the system that everybody just seems to be ignoring. Because unless you have been dealing with that stuff, you don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, my doctor didn't even know about the, the PAD initiative. She didn't know about this psychiatric advance directive. That's part of the medical policies in North Carolina. Hmm. A legal document that can be signed. But not once was I told about it. And so that makes no sense to me that, that they're not being told the stuff that should be you know, maybe she, being a general practitioner, might not know it. But why didn't somebody at the medical facility tell me about it? They exactly. should have, mental health facilities should have known. Right. But it's I mean, not even in their system. 
because the same system that my doctor's office is. So hmm. it wasn't even their system. So so anyway, so I wrote, so I wrote, um, so I've been writing this book in order to talk about not only what she went through, but also talking and, and highlighting some of the specific areas, not only in the medical system, but even the, uh, the, the law enforcement and the educational system and, and, and there might be different levels that people have approached it, but basically I've tackled all these different things, these different topics, and I'm showing the, the problems that are existing in the system and then making some suggestions of at least where to begin a discussion on how can we solve these things, you know. And then the last part of the book is there for resources. So one of my, uh, at the, at the, uh, you know, with regard to this, I, you know, I feel like this, the purpose I've got, been given a new purpose with this, that I'm taking something that's such a tragedy, and, and I wrote an article a few months ago at the magazine I worked for, and I, and I call it, and we're tur- turning, um, t- turning, excuse me, heartache into hope, you know, and, and trying to turn this, this situation and, and helping other people that are that find themselves in similar situations so that they can can actually have something to get them started on what to do to help their own loved one. Yes. And there's this this is a chat this is a paragraph that I that I'm taking from the um, from the prologue. I mean from the first from the prologue of this of my book and it says In the first part of this book, I will discuss some basic information about mental illness, as well as the sad story of how Kelsey Rose suddenly suffered from this terrible, terrible mental, um, mental illness. I also explained how our family struggled with, with or through that part of her life, although I've intentionally omitted all the names and some of their specifics due to privacy. This is not a tale with a happy ending. It isn't one that will have a knight in shining armor on a white horse charging and save the damsel in distress. This is my depiction of the final chapters of my daughter's fight for her sanity and eventually the loss of her life. It is raw and personal, but I feel it's necessary to share it with others so that they understand how any given family can be blindsided by mental illness without warning. And that's basically the purpose of my book in a nutshell. Yeah. Wow. I, I yeah. wanted to say, I know the hour is getting close, but I wanted to say, uh, Kimberly, what is it that we can do to support your movement? Because your poem touched me very deeply, being someone that I, I did lose my sister to suicide, I did lose her to cancer, but the million tears are very real. This was my mother's first time losing a child. So what is it that we can do, uh, we can share and post to help you with your movement and, and what you're here for? Well, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, you know, I don't know the exact date for the release of my book. Uh, I am going to be starting to take some pre-orders at, probably in the next month. Um, in order to try to build up some stock. And one of the things that I would like to do, my, my cousin actually has really gotten on board with what I'm doing. Um, and her friend is very big into creating nonprofits and stuff. I don't, that's not, that's not my wheelhouse. I have a lot of wheelhouse stuff, you know, in my, in my 
toolbox, but that isn't one of them. So she's actually going to help me begin uh, a nonprofit. And the purpose of the nonprofit, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits out there for helping specifically for helping mental illness, you know, on a, on a, like a grassroots area, you know, where you do it with the people. But, but I feel like my calling is more, um, that I've been given and I, I feel like it's due to Kelsey and Kelsey's honor is to make a change that will not just affect a few people, but will change our nation. You know, I, I feel very strongly. And so I don't, um, I've, I basically, I do have a Twitter page, um, that I created and a Facebook page for Operation Green Flag. So you should be able to find that Operation Green Flag. Um, I don't have, uh, I, I'm still in the, in the initial stages of that, but one of my goals, in addition to educating people on the things that they should know about, um, in order to help their own loved ones and the things that they could do to help themselves, you know, so that they don't, they're not quite as much of a victim. This, it's like you're a double victim. You're a victim of the disease. You know, your, your loved one is a victim of the disease and you are, are part of that suffering with them. But then you're also a victim of the system because the system is not equipped. I give it a triple F. If I could give it a lower grade, I would. Okay. There, there's just, there's no words that can, I can, I'm not saying there aren't good people in the system. Don't get me wrong. I'm not coming down on the people, but the system is so broken when it comes to mental health. It is just, unless you have been exposed to it, you have no clue. It is like the dark ages when it comes to our medical abilities. It's just, I mean, sitting in that waiting room with all those kids on mats on the floor and fetal, and my daughter's in a fetal position for hours. And nobody can even see us until eight in the morning. You know, and you feel so helpless. And then they take your child, and, and you know, there's just, there's no words to say how helpless you feel when that happens. And it was even worse when they took my child and she wouldn't sign the hymn for it. And I couldn't even talk to the doctors when she was 18, you know, four years later. And it was just, it was so, so one of the things that I would say is once I get this going, you know, I would probably love to have the opportunity maybe to come back on and talk about what we've been able to accomplish. Um, I'm hoping within a couple months to have some of this going. But one of the things that I'm wanting to do is to to raise funds. Well, I'm gonna, what I'd like to do, and I don't have to make, I mean, this isn't something I'm just trying to make money on. Um, I'd like to raise money to buy enough books, even at cost, you know, just cost of shipping and, and everything, and send them to the leaders, state leaders, national leaders, whoever need, this could benefit to say this, these are the things that need to be implemented. These are the changes that need to be made. This is my daughter's story and the things that she suffered through that I don't think she needed to suffer through all these things. There is no reason some of these things should have taken place. And there are some things that could have been prevented if the right policies had been implemented. You know? And so, you know, I know that I'm one person you know, but I feel like God's given me a gift. If you want to say that, you know, I feel like I have ability to write. And I feel like my daughter's story is a moving story that could motivate people to actually cause change. 
And um, so that is one of the things that I'm wanting to do is basically raise funds so that I can, you know, take on a, even a state at a time or, or get all of Congress and all, you know, you know, the state levels, everything. Maybe it'll go um, worldwide. I don't I don't know. I don't know where this is going to go. You know, but I feel like that I have a purpose with this and I've got to make something positive take place from my daughter's tragedy to, to help other people. If I could help save, if something that I do helps save somebody's life, it will be worth all that. Yes, I agree. And, and just know that all of us here at Wiregrass Haunts, uh, the web radio network, <coughs> excuse me, and also web paranormal group. All of us, we're going to be, uh, if you send us something, we will share it, um, and we'll do what we possibly can do to help you get the word out and help you in any way to make a change on this because, uh, this is something that is, is, is tragic beyond as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tragic, actually. And mm-hmm. uh, it affects so many people. And uh, mm-hmm. so we want to help you in every single way. And, of course... You are welcome back on on our shows. Uh, I mean, just an open invitation. Anytime you want to come back, you just send me a message and I can make it happen. And, well, uh, thank you. And, you know, we'll... I'm probably going to contact a couple of people and um, if you're willing to do some other shows and that type of thing. Sure. And, and, and get you on some other shows so you can get your message out and uh one of them is on my network uh it's wicked Mm -hmm. paranormal and miss amy farley she uh Mm -hmm. has experienced uh the same thing that you have Mm. and uh so i think that would be um a good fit there and i'm in fact tomorrow i'm going to be reaching out to her and uh 
So, uh, but uh, like I mentioned in the beginning, you know, I, I have another podcast that I'm starting up uh, that deals with not so much paranormal, but it's it things like this and and just other in general subjects. So I would love to have you to come back on that, come on that show and, and, and we can talk about it and maybe I can get some guests to come on with you that, that are, um, feeling the same way or, or has experienced the same type of thing. Mm -hmm. And may, you know, maybe a, a, a talking incident like that, uh, with other people, maybe that will help, will help mm-hmm. get the, no- get, get the noise out there, if you will. And shout it to the heavens. And uh, mm-hmm. that's exactly what we need to do. I, I think so. What do you think, Shawana? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, sometimes I get a little caught up. Um, I absolutely agree. In different dimensions, even the unbelievable house, whatever we got to do, whatever we got to share um, <clears throat> in Whatever Congress, if you need me to email somebody, write some letters, I'm I'm completely on board. Yeah, me okay. too. Um, I've actually completely. written a six. I've written a 16-page proposal. Um, somebody has made some suggestions on some minor adjustments that I should say in the wording jargon, just because um, she's a like a medical therapist type of person. So she said I need to change certain words, but other than that, it's pretty much ready to go. Um, I've already I've already actually met with our senator, uh, uh, our senator and our congressman. I met with my congressman's chief of staff and also met with um, our senator's um, primary aide on health care. I've met with my sheriff, my county sheriff. I've met with a lot of the local medical mental health advocacy uh, leaders. Um, I've met with I've actually had. Uh, uh, hours of conversations with uh, mental health advocacy leaders all over the country. You know, I've, I've done it virtually, but, you know, I've been able to, and I've had a lot of people that have read um, that even one that was, a uh, that is now retired, but she did, uh, she oversaw the NAMI uh, for Mississippi for 25 years. She actually helped implement NAMI in her state. And, uh, you know, she has read my proposal. She's read the first half of the book so far, and she's absolutely supportive of everything I'm doing. And uh, so, you know, I'm if 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 somebody listens to this, or you know of somebody that might be a good person to to get on board, feel free to send send them my way. Um, you know, I'm trying to get people to join up with me in this in this battle. You know, to try to save lives. Yes. Um, people don't realize. Um, there was, there were more, there doubled the amount of suicides in a year. There was, the year that my daughter died, there was almost 49,000 American lives lost to suicide. 49,000. There was only about 24,500, not only, but I know there was half of that for, for homicides. So there was double the amount of suicides than there are homicides, and nobody talks about it. Right. People don't realize how bad it is. You know how many people are lost, and they—they. They, I'm not playing it down, but people are so focused on things like mass mass shootings, and I'm not saying those are tra- are tragic. They are, but there's they're talking about a, a few hundred people a year versus forty nine thousand people, and no one talks about it. 
And I guarantee you that if you don't know somebody, you know somebody who knows somebody that has died from suicide. And, um, and not only that, four out of ten people are battling some sort of, and whether you know it or not, four out of ten people are battling some sort of mental illness at some level. Yes. And you don't even realize it because nobody talks about it because of the stigma. Because they, they either think they're a failure as a parent or they don't want to, they don't want to, you know, they want it private. You know, they don't want to let people know because they feel embarrassed, whatever it might be. There's lots of reasons. You know, they're worried about their job or whatever. But, but people have to start realizing that it is, it's just as much an illness as cancer. And, and they start, need to start treating it that way. You know, things have got to change because if we don't change things, how can you get better at how to treat it if you don't talk about it? You know, or you don't know where to turn to for help. I mean, if you, there's resources, you know, there was, there was a, there was a, a group for NAMI that met in, within a mile and a half of where we were living. Okay? Yeah. And I didn't even know it was there. And the leader, the president of that organization's son has schizophrenia. Now, he's still alive. But the president, his son has schizophrenia. Don't you think I could have gotten a lot of information from how he was handling it? Because he's a trained mental advocate. Mm-hmm. He's gone through hundreds of hours of training in the, in different situations. He could have given me some insight on what to do. But I didn't even know he existed because nobody bothered to tell me or said, maybe you should go check. You know, our doctor should have said, you probably should go check out. Here's a list of resources you should go to. But they don't do that. They give you pills. Right. That's yeah. what that's their solvent. And I literally went in. I was so angry about it once I started finding out what resources were available. And I went into one of the other mental health um, organizations because we have a magazine in there. And I just wanted to go ask them. I said, um, do y'all give any resources out to, to the families of these loved ones, you know, of these patients and everything? And they were like, what do you mean? And I said, well, like resources of mental health organizations and stuff in the area or anything. She said, why would you do that? I'm like, why would you do that? And I explained about my daughter and everything. I said, that would have made a big difference if I had known. But there's no materials in their lobbies. You know, nothing. It's empty. And I was like, you know, if, if somebody would have let me know about this group, that meets a mile from my house whose leader has deals with schizophrenia with his son, that would have made a difference because I would have had somebody I could have come to, you know, I could have gone and asked them advice, but they, they didn't tell me about it. You know, nobody knew. And so, and then I asked her, so why, why is that? And she said, well, we deal with the physical I said, you deal with a physical, but you're a mental health facility, and you don't, and you wonder why people are going to Walmart's and shooting people. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. That's I true. said that to her. I mean, to me, that was the most asinine, excuse my language, but the most asinine thing for somebody to tell me. Right. You, you're a mental health 
office that only deals with the physical. That's what she told me. This is the clinic director. Wow. And I'm not saying that everybody's like that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to paint a broad stroke picture. But I'm, I've talked with enough people that have had the same experiences that we've had. So, so it's not an isolated event. This is something that takes place nationwide. Because I've talked to people from, from a, a bunch of states all over the place. I've talked to mental health advocates. They're all saying the same thing that I'm saying. And they've had a lot of them have had similar experiences. If not, some of them have had worse, believe it or not. And so, you know, that's why, you know, when I started my in my book, I it kept growing. I was like, I was just going to focus on the memoir stuff, and then I realized, well, and then I was going to include the Operation Green Flag when I got that idea. And then I was like, okay, well, now I got to do with yes, IMD exclusion. Now I got to do with deal with this and this and this and this. And it's like, you know, it just grew. You know, and, and it's not a political thing at all. It's a purple issue because it hell, it affects everybody. Somebody, you know somebody that is being affected by this right now, and you may not even realize it because nobody talks about it. And we need to start talking about it because silence is, is as much a, a problem as anything else because you don't know who to turn to that have been going through the same situation that you are. You know, and that needs to change. Very true. You never can tell it may be your next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, in North Carolina, the number two reason for deaths, and this was from last year, I believe it was two, last year, they got a statistic. The number two reason for death for youth between the ages of 10 and 17 is suicide. And that is not an uncommon statistic in across the United States. Wow. Mm-mm. Well, Kimberly, can you tell everybody where they can get a hold of you and mm-hmm. how to get a hold of your books? Well, first of all, you can definitely find me on Facebook. If you search my name on Google, you will find me, I promise you, because I'm on the first page. I've got a lot of exposure on that. That's one unique thing. That's one thing nice about having a unique name as an author. (laughs) But my name is uh, spelled, you know, Kimberly with a Y. And my last name is B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. You can find my paranormal books on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. Uh, you can also go to my website at write right for you and it's w r i t e r i g h t the number four the letter u dot weebly w e e b l e y i mean excuse me b l y excuse me w e e b l y dot com and you can also um like i said you can find me on facebook i have an author page i also have pages for all of my books and then you can find me on Twitter at Write Right For You. And, you know, I'm on Instagram. But you can probably, if you go to my website on my, you know, my, uh, my page that has all my links, you can, you can find me. You know, you basically have all my links to, to everything. Uh, if you go to Amazon, if you search my name, you know, for books, you'll find me. Um, I'm, antis- excuse me, I'm anticipating having my books. Um, I'm going to probably be doing, I just, I just, just shipped out an order 
uh, for I do do autograph books personally. You know, I have to do that through my website. Um, but I am going to probably be doing a, uh, another order for the holidays. Um, I actually just redesigned all of my my covers for my paranormal books uh, about a month and a half ago. I released re- relaunched those, but probably around uh, around Thanksgiving I'll be a little bit before Thanksgiving. I'm going to be starting to take another set of orders for for autographs um, series um, for for my for my paranormal books, and by then I should be taking also uh, pre-orders for my my new book as well. So if you go to my website or go to you know my uh, my Facebook page, Kimberly Brulette, author editor, uh, you should be able to find me. You can message me on there. I'll be happy to, to respond. I do. I'm very active on my uh, on those social media aspects. You can find me on Twitter too. Um, but you know, if somebody, you know, of course, if they if they can't find me, you know, even though you know I'm I'm fairly easy to find. You know, obviously they can always contact you to get a hold of me if they need to. Yes. I'm more than happy. And uh, you know, it's. I anticipate, you know, having more with the Operation Green Flag, but also Operation Green Flag is available. Um, I do have pages on Twitter and Facebook for that. So you should be able to search Operation Green Flag and be able to find that there as well. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, Is there one thing that you would like to tell everybody out there that um, could move what you're trying to do forward well first of all if if people have a heart for this if they know somebody if they if 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 they possibly know somebody that might have some influence or or some sort of mental health advocate or some sort of medical you know leader or 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 even in a government position local state or federal level you know, if you want to try to help connect me with them, I've been working on trying to get a network nationwide from different congressmen, different senators, you know, different governors and, and just different levels of all both state and local government and federal government. So if you have any connections in that regard and you have gotten a heart for this, as I've been talking about it, you know, I would I would love to get some help with getting those connections started even more, you know, I've, I've been working really hard on trying to do this on myself. And, you know, it's, it's a lot for one person, you know, to take this on and I need a lot of help, you know, so I'm more than happy. Uh, I, you, you know, if somebody goes to my website, you can sign up for my, for my email list as well. Um, so, you know, I would encourage people to go on there and, you know, you can sign up on my, for my newsletter and, you know, I would love to hear from everybody if, you know, I'm, I'm very active on Facebook. So, you know, if you go to my author page, you know, I'd be more than happy to, I'd love to hear from people and just get their response on, on what, you know, what they think or maybe how they might want to be interested in helping, you know. Awesome. So, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy. I'm just one person. You know, this is a lot bigger than me. Sure. But I feel like it's it's a, something that I can do and honor my daughter that will make a difference in somebody else's life. I agree. I agree. Shawana, do you have anything? No, I am. I'm just. I'm excited to have met you. I want to let you know that 
whatever I can do, what we can do, we are we're down for the call. Um, I'm I'm here. That's all I can say. That I guess I'm still caught up over the poem, but I'm I'm here. So yes. Well, thank you. I'm glad I'm glad it, it it touched your your heart. I mean, that's when I wrote that. I wrote it, believe it or not, in about thirty minutes. Because I just, it just came out of me. I felt like it was inspired. And, and even hearing the nightingale the morning that she died, you know, it was like, I, I was like, I, rem- I got to remember that. There's something important about that. I've never heard a nightingale before wow. that day. And when I heard that, it was like, and then when I started doing the poem, it was like, the nightingale wails in the twilight is my soul born for you. And it was like, it's just a matter of, it just like, it's like a flood of emotion. It's just like, <laughs> the words just tumbled out. And I just, I couldn't believe how, how quickly, you know, that poem came together and how beautiful it was. It's the, the most beautiful thing I've ever written, but it's one of the saddest. Right. You know? Absolutely beautiful. Yes, it it touched me as well. And, uh, you know, my hat's off to you. And, and, you know, we're going to keep you in our prayers. And we definitely want you to come back. I'm going to get back with you about uh, some dates and things like that. And to see if we can't further this along. And and my message to people out there, um, talk to your children get down and personal on their lines. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't let that, don't, don't let that, that communication get cut. And mm-hmm. because if you don't, you know, you're going to end up in a situation that, uh, that is very bad. And uh, mm-hmm. so you don't want to leave your kids out by any means. And if you see somebody else hurting, you see another child that that looks like that they need somebody to talk with find somebody to help them don't just turn away and i i was in the in the the medical uh first responder field for many years and uh i've seen that happen a lot mm-hmm. and and it always ended in a bad situation mm-hmm. you know so you know Y'all, as parents, uh, guardians, uh, just mentors, watch out for the kids. Talk with them. Find out what's ticking with them. And uh, so, but Kimberly, we want to thank you for being on the show. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm sorry we kind of ended on a little bit lower note, but I feel like it's important. Yes. You know, it's very important. Absolutely. And uh, and I and I also want to tell people, especially you know, kind of reiterate what you're saying, that you know, that that when somebody is going through something like this, they don't always express themselves. They don't say verbalize necessarily. My daughter didn't go out and tell me, you know, in so many words, I'm going to kill myself. Right. Okay, so the thought of, and this is where we've got to get out of this thing of, you know, they have to verbally express harm to themselves or somebody else. We've got to get out of that because with mental health patients, that's not always the case. Right. You know, uh, and I'm talking about serious, severe mental illness. I'm not necessarily talking about 
somebody that's getting over a COVID depression. You know, although some people have been having some rough time with that, I'm not downing that, but it's a different level when you're dealing with something 365, you know, days a year, 24 seven, you know, you, right. you, there's a difference when you're dealing with something like this, um, where it's chronic and it's medications are not going to always help, you know, cause it takes sometimes years to figure out the right medications to use for a patient. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And the thing is that you have to be aware of what's going on with your kid. Don't, don't ignore the signs. Push into your, your kids' lives. Don't, don't just let them you know, flounder and do their own thing just because they want to do it that way. They're not, they need some guidance, you know, growing up. You can't just let them do what, do their own thing. You've got to be a parent to them. And I think in today's society, there's a tendency to allow video games to be, a, 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 you know, basically a babysitter. And you've got to have that relationship with your kids, you know, connect with your kids and, and know what's going on in their lives because that will make them recognize that you care about them, that you love them more than just giving them words, but you're showing interaction yeah. because you don't want to go back and have something happen. And, and obviously my situation was a little different, but I'm just speaking as a parent that you don't want to look back and say, could I have done something differently you know, to change my child's life? And for the better, you know, and um, with my daughter, you know, it was an illness. It wasn't something I could have prevented. You know, I realized that. But there are things that I wish I had known that might have made things easier for us to help her. Sure. You know, and um, more people are dealing with this than you want to real than you realize. I had many people come up at the funeral after, you know, Kelsey had died. I had a dozen people come up to me at the funeral saying that they either were dealing with it themselves or they had an immediate loved one hmm. that was dealing with something as severe as schizophrenia. So out of like 100 people, I had 12 people come up to me. Wow. wow. That's a lot. Yes, it That's is. 10%. That's 10% of the people there. That's a high percentage. That were too. dealing with something, or they had a loved one, an immediate loved one that was dealing with something as severe as schizophrenia. I had three people tell me they were hearing voices. Wow. So it's not as uncommon as you think it might be. I agree. I do. All right. Well, 
ladies, um, I thank y'all for coming in and hanging out with me here on Wiregrass Haunts. And uh, we will be doing this again. And uh, uh, Miss Kimberly, you hang in there. And uh, you keep doing what you're doing because you're doing a great thing. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk and y'all having me on. I look forward to being back. Yes, ma'am. That'll be soon, too. Okay. Well, Shawana, thank you so much for helping me out and hanging in there. And No, I was blessing that I got invited. I'm very enlightened, I'm, and I'm excited. I, I hope um, I'm, I'm going to be looking for the poem. I'm, I'm I'm even excited about the books. It was it was a complete blessing for me today because I I normally not stands co-host, but I know that you know God works in mysterious ways. I'm gonna say it like that. Mm-hmm. So. It was my pleasure to be on here tonight, and it was definitely my pleasure to meet you, Kimberly. Very well, much thank my you. pleasure. And I definitely want to connect with you, too, you know, and talk more absolutely. about what you're doing. So, Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. We will. We definitely will. All right. Well, ladies, thank you all again. And everybody at Wiregrass Haunts Land out there, um, thank you for listening. Um, come back uh, real soon. There's so many shows on the Web Radio Network. Uh, you have Wicked mm-hmm. Paranormal on Tuesday nights. You have Different Dimensions on Wednesday nights. You have The Unbelievable House on uh, Wednesday night. Um, it's kind of a situation, but you'll be able to listen to them. And uh, on Thursday night, Wiregrass Haunts. So Friday night, we also have uh, Paranormal Truth and Reality with uh, Chris Houston. And there's a several other shows on the network you just pick one tune in because all of them are great and uh so well shawana we want to thank you kimberly again thank you and we will talk to you guys very soon thank you so much you have a great evening y'all too Mm. have a good night good night everybody thanks good night
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.